welcome to the 1% Podcast. My name is Avi Wiswer, social media influencer and motivational speaker. Every week you hear an inspiring message. We hear from a person that is on their journey to success. With each episode, I hope that you can take something valuable with you, become 1% better in your life. Thank you for stopping by and let the growth begin. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the 1% Podcast. I have a guest with me today and the first female guest. Her name is (laughs) Hannah Cavanaugh. Hannah, if you wanted to take the floor, introduce yourself, give a little background about yourself, anything that the people may want to know. No, for sure. Um, Hey, everybody. So um, as Avi said, I'm Hannah Cavanaugh. Um, I am currently a senior at Macaulay at Hunter studying film, but on the side, I do podcasting, which I guess is kind of the main thing that I've been doing at this point. I've been podcasting since my freshman year. At first, I started off with a seminal podcast called Tea for Three, uh, and then I eventually um, joined forces with CUNY Central to start CUNY Uncut. Yeah, over the past year. And since then, I've been working on a bunch of different projects, still doing CUNY Uncut. And now I have a film podcast on the way called Reel It In, which I'm super excited to be uh, launching oh, next wow. month. Yeah. This is uh, this is the first time hearing about it. I listened to a little bit of your T for Three, and there were some great topics. There was oh, two cool. episodes in particular that I really, really did. Wait, like. which ones did you, what are the two episodes that you liked? So being your authentic self, being your genuine authentic self, I really did like. And the one on the mental health as for sure i'm like a you know mental he- mental health advocate i think it's extremely important you know that you guys had a a long episode about oh, absolutely it's so it's so important to destigmatize those issues i mean especially with how crazy the world is nowadays i mean everyone's struggling even if they might not come across as if they are um yeah, I think mental health is such an important thing to destigmatize. So I'm also a firm believer in that. So yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed the episode. And thank you for checking out T for three. I appreciate that. No problem. No problem. What made you want to switch from political science to film? Was there anything that clicked that was just like, oh, this is just what I want to do? Or was it just something that just happened overnight? So um, funny enough, a little bit of both. I've actually always been into the arts, but primarily uh, being in front of the camera because I actually went to LaGuardia High School for theater um, and I used to sing all the time when I was a kid. So I've always been into the arts, but when college came around, I, I wasn't nearly as confident in my capabilities as I used to be. And I wasn't quite sure how to navigate that. And I've always been great with academics. Like that's never been a struggle for me necessarily. So I thought, okay, you know, maybe things would be easier if I just took a more conventional academic approach. Right. And uh, that's when I started to, that's when I picked up a journalism major, uh, then picked up a history major, then dropped that, then (laughs) picked up a poli sci major, then dropped both and switched to film. But I think the eureka moment for me, was when um, I was doing a reading for my international relations class and I had data journalism homework due that same night. Um, And I was pretty miserable for, yeah, like months. Yeah, I was miserable for months and I didn't exactly know why. Um, I just wasn't satisfied with my life and where it was going. And um, yeah, and then I just had a eureka moment in the midst of one of my sobbing sessions. I was like, oh, <laughs> this is why I'm so unhappy because I don't like what I'm studying. Um, and that's when I thought, oh, why don't I switch to film? Because I, I think I loved theater, but the issue I had with it is that there wasn't a lot of creative autonomy on that front. You're at the mercy of a director. You're at the mercy of, of the material that you're a part of, right? And I never really felt like I fit into 
any like, you know, primary theater tropes that were, that were, that are all that common, really. I never felt like there was any space for me. So I felt like through majoring in film, I could finally write my own content and create work um, in which everyone kind of sees themselves in it and everyone feels seen. Oh, wow. Damn. Yeah. That was just like a whole realization. Yeah. <laughs> there was two things that I wanted to touch on. One is mm -hmm. I'm not from around here, but where are you from? Well, I'm from Westchester County, just a little oh, bit okay. upstate. Cool. Um, people, you know, want to argue if that's upstate or not. But... <laughs> <laughs> but as I've heard from a lot of people, LaGuardia High School is an extremely prestigious school for arts. And yeah, it's technically a specialized high school in New York City. Yeah. What was that? What was that? I guess I don't want to say process, but what was that experience like for you going to a prestigious school like that? Um, I mean, I think it was great in the sense that I, I don't know, I think socially it was great for me because prior to going to LaGuardia, I didn't really have a lot of friends, but I felt like I was finally amongst a group of people where people are just as zany as I am, if not zanier. Um, so I feel like socially it was great. Um, and I really came into my own senior year of high school. Like by the end of that whole experience, socially, I was, I was like up to par there. Um, but I think, yeah, creatively, it was really tough because you're, you know, prior to LaGuardia, I was like the only person in my grade that was into acting, that was into singing. Um, and so, you know, in the eyes of like my peers and in the eyes of faculty, like I was kind of the star student in that. But then going into high school, it's like, okay, well, everyone came from that background and everyone's just as talented as you, if not more talented. So that was like a massive ego bruise to me personally. Um, I felt like I was more afraid to put myself out there. I didn't audition for things as much. Um, so yeah, no, it was difficult, but I think there was a lot, there was a lot of transferable skills I learned just through the theater program that kind of fed into other things further down the road, like podcasting. So yeah, I felt like there was pros and cons to the whole situation. Um, but yeah, I kind of see that whole uh, experience as like playing guitar, you know, <laughs> going into it, you know, it's really rough. Your calluses are going to get sore, right. you know, or not your fingertips are going to get sore, but then you get thicker skin, your fingertips start to callus and it's like old hat. So yeah, a lot of mixed emotions there, but overall, I think it was a great experience, but you have, you don't grow when you're comfortable. You have to put yourself in uncomfortable situations like that. So that's Absolutely. how I try to look at it. So yeah. Was there any uncomfortable situations that you would describe at uh, Hunter? Was there anything that in particular that you've seen that growth over time? Honestly, okay. If I'm being totally transparent, when I was majoring in journalism and poli sci, not really, because I felt like I was staying within my comfort zone because academics has always been a comfortable space for me. But I think when I switched to film, I think that's when I really kind of put myself in an uncomfortable position because I think delving deep within yourself, like delving into your vulnerabilities and kind of bearing your soul through your work um, is an incredibly uncomfortable experience. And I feel like by taking all these film classes, it got me into the habit of like digging into the dregs of my soul and like splattering it onto a screenplay or putting it in my podcasting work. Um, so I think just that shift in mindset kind of put me in that uncomfortable position at Hunter, but that really didn't come until senior year when I switched to film, if I'm being honest. Wow. Yeah. I think the one thing that people really don't want to hear about getting out of your comfort zone is taking that initial step to actually do that. Yes. And how sure. unconsciously comfortable we are within 
you know, that day-to-day life and we have to make the, make that change. And you kind of elaborated on it where you said that, you know what, I'm not really happy with what I'm doing. Let me make a change subconsciously. Yeah. To- but it, it's also, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Um, it's hard because like, you know, um, sometimes people may not know what will make them happy. People don't necessarily know what they want, especially because we're so young and we're all just swinging it out here. We're all figuring it out. <laughs> Um, but I think one thing that changed the game for me was like listening to my inner child, like, Mm. you know, if five-year-old Hannah were to glimpse into the future and see what I'm doing now, like, would she be happy with that? And when I was majoring in journalism and poli-sci looking back on five-year-old Hannah, I'm like, actually, no, she wouldn't be happy with this. Mm. And then I kind of, you know, kind of adjusted accordingly to like, listen to that inner child within myself and like you know, what the younger version of myself would actually enjoy doing right now. That's interesting. That's interesting that you speak on it because when I always hear people talk about their inner child, when we were children, at least when I was a kid, I was like, you know, I want to be older. Like I want to be in my twenties. You know, I want to do this. I want to be legal and all of that. Yeah. Then as you get older, you're just like, damn, I just kind of really want to go back to that child. And I feel like the, I don't want to say the system, but I feel like there's certain things in place that we do on a day-to-day life that suppress well, that kid. You're not wrong about the system. Capitalism's a big part of it, right? Cause then, you know, it's at that point, it's about survival. And, you know, I'm thankful that I have the privilege to listen to my inner child and really follow my passion. Cause a lot of people don't necessarily have that. So I also want to preface it with that as well. There's definitely a privilege that comes with that too. But you should definitely try to listen to your inner child to the best of your ability, I think. I mean, what Absolutely. are your thoughts on this whole? Um, I think that, it's it, it really comes down to the fact of self-awareness and self-awareness is extremely key on noticing that because some people don't understand or notice what kind of habits or what are they doing in their day to day that's kind of neglecting that child. You know, as we get older, we tend to be more serious and like, oh, I need to do this. I need to do that. And we tend to miss out on all the fun. Absolutely. And that's what the fun is. You know, the fun in life is all the that's what it's all about. You know what I mean? We can't just be so serious to the point where, oh, you know, I have to focus on this goal and just apply myself to this goal. Absolutely. But you also have to have fun because we only have, you know, one life to live. And if we just spend our whole lives just doing the thing that we want to do, then ultimately we'll become unhappy and we won't be able to take care of our mental health. We'll be depressed. We'll be anxious. Oh, I'm looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to that. But for sure, the inner child is really how you harness everything else around you. In terms of podcasting, though, I really want to talk about this because as a fellow podcaster that you are, I want to know, like, what's your creative process? What inspired you to start podcasting? Was it a certain podcast in general that was just like, you know what, I really want to do this? Or was it just something that you just started off with and was like, I'll just let it Honestly, it's just something that I started off with, but I think a lot of it does come back to childhood where, you know, um, especially in middle school and elementary school, I never really felt seen or understood by a lot of my peers. And I think honestly, um, uh, but I feel like in high school things shifted, but one thing that really stuck out to me um, during that time was that, which you, which you would probably know as well, is that people love to talk about themselves, right? <laughs> and everyone has an interesting story to tell that they want to broadcast to the world. And so I really thought of podcasting as like an avenue to really amplify other people's stories and bring that to life. So I feel like that was partly the inspiration. But I feel like now with podcasting, um, my inspirations kind of shifted in the sense that for me, it's not just about that. 
but it's about telling those stories in an interesting way. So for instance, like for this Reel It In film podcast that I'm working on, um, I'm really trying to think outside of the box with how, um, how I can make the film podcast more of a meta experience that caters to each individual film that I'm covering. So for instance, um, on the debut episode, I'm going to have my friend India, who's a playwright on the show to talk about Schenectady, New York. Have you heard of that movie? I have not. I'm not really a big movie guy. Oh, but. it's so good. Um, but it kind of, it talks about, there's a lot of key theme, themes regarding like existentialism and like making your life meaningful for you. Um, but it's essentially about this theater director who um, is given this uh, MacArthur Fellowship grant and wants to make this hyper-realistic play. So at first he rents this massive soundstage. He starts off with a building and he hires actors to play the neighbors in that building. And then it grows and grows and grows into this massive town. Um, so to kind of feed into that element of the story, um, I had my friend, Indi I'm gonna have my friend India on the show next week. Um, and we're going to act out this two minute scene, but people don't know that it's a scene. It's a hyper-realistic scene at the beginning of this podcast talking about the general theme of the film, but it's all scripted. And people won't know that it's scripted until I check in with India and I'm like, okay, so how did I do? How was the line <laughs> delivery there, <laughs> right? And then kind of tap, so not only is that an interesting way to tell that story and to talk about the movie, but it really taps into that element of like hyper-realism. So I, you know, at first I took a more of a conventional approach to podcasting, but now since I feel like it's such an oversaturated market, I really try to think as outside of the box as possible um, and make it more of an avant-garde thing. That's what I'm trying to do now with this Reel It In podcast. Sorry, that was really long. No, 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 <laughs> no worries, no worries. A no long worries. response. No worries. I do agree with you though on how yeah. the podcasting is extremely saturated right now. And I think doing those little things that is gonna help you stand out is extremely important and that kind of ties into a question that i actually want to ask you what is the process in making an episode for you what does that look like um it depends on the podcast i mean for t for three this is before covid i think and i think well for t for three yeah that was all before covid and i feel like at that time people were more open with each other i feel like now even my approach to reaching out to people has changed but at that time with T for three, I recorded everything in my dorm room and I'd have my friends come over that li already lived in the dorms. I'd be like, oh, just pull up to my room <laughs> and I'd give them the topic, but I wouldn't have like, I wouldn't send questions in advance. I wouldn't even prep questions. That was mm. just totally riffing off the fly. Mm. Um, with CUNY Uncut, it's a bit different because it's like CUNY's official podcast. Right. Um, so with that, I have a pre-recording meeting with my guests. Um, where I kind of get a sense of like what their personality's like. I'll pitch topics to them, see if they're okay with that. Because the last thing I want to do is bamboozle people, especially when there's a video component to it. And right. we're also airing it on CUNY TV. So I just want to make sure people go into the process as, in, as comfortable as possible. So I'll take all those precautions beforehand. And then with Reel It In, I'll really like kind of talk out the topic with the guests. They'll be like, oh, I have this idea for this film, um, incorporating this top, this kind of meta way of um, doing things. What do you think of that? Um, but I think I take a more holistic approach. I really try to cater um, the episode flow to my guests and kind mm. of, cause it's really about, you know, of course, part of it is about hosting, but you know, the guest is kind of the main person in the episodes that I'm recording. And I want to highlight them and make them look as great as possible. 
So I really try to take a more holistic approach. So it's way more collaborative now, I think. I really do like that. on the project, yeah. I really do like that. And I think that's the whole thing that people sometimes miss about podcasting is it, it should be a conversation, you know, oh, just absolutely. because there's yeah. mics in front or cameras, it should be a conversation getting to know, you know, the other person. And like you said, highlighting the other person. No, you it's talked so to- important. Oh, no. Continue, continue. No, that's all. I was just agreeing with you. I was just <laughs> saying it's so important. But sorry, what were you saying? I keep cutting you off. <laughs> no, it's all right. It's all right. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, as a CUNY student myself, how did you pitch the idea to CUNY, I guess, in general? Was it? Oh, so funny enough, they actually reached out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, they saw what I was doing with T for three. And at that point, I've been doing T for three for about two years at this point. And um, CUNY reached out to me and they were like, hey, we really love what you're doing with T for three. Um, would, and there's all, would you be interested in doing a backs up CUNY episode with us? And I was like, sure, that'd be awesome. So I had like a few guests on the show to not only talk about vaccines, but also kind of debunking the general myths surrounding vaccination. Because one thing I noticed with the CUNY campaign is that they were like, get vaccinated. And I'm like, okay, but for people that are skeptical, that's not really going to convince anybody, right? So I kind of decided to take a different angle and kind of talk about that instead. Um, So I recorded that episode for them in May of 2021. And then they reached out to me about a month later um, and they were like, hey, we love what you did with the Vax of CUNY episode as well. Would you be interested in starting a podcast with us? Mm. And you would be hosting and executive producing it. It'll be your project. And I was like, that sounds awesome. Like, I'd love to do that. And I was initially quite surprised because I don't know, podcasting is just a passion of mine. I never thought, oh, I'm doing this for my podcasting career. It's something I just kind of fell into that I really loved doing. So I was pleasantly surprised when they reached out to me for that. And then CUNY Uncut as a concept came to be because I think students are very, myself included, like, you know, we're all very um, uh, weary of bureaucracy, right? We don't, anything with CUNY's name on it, we just think bureaucracy, we think admin, and we're like, oh, I don't really know about that. Um, So I think with CUNY Uncut, um, I wanted to kind of take the podcast in a raw direction and make it so that okay you you're seeing what you're getting like nothing's cut here and I make a fool of myself plenty of times you know I'll mispronounce the guest's name I'll use multiple ums or likes or ahs but that all stays in it's all raw unfiltered um yeah and the tagline is that we talk about anything and everything uncensored unedited and uncut so I kind of wanted to take the podcast in that direction to kind of act as the antithesis of the bureaucracy and kind of the administrative work that you would normally associate with CUNY. So, yeah. Wow. Damn. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of lore to it, but that's how it all culminated into this. Um, yeah. And then, yeah. And then I just started getting involved with CUNY TV like a couple months ago. I'm interning for them now with a separate show. Um, they reached out to me asking if they could air CUNY Uncut. So now I'm actually airing the first episode this coming Tuesday. Um, I had my friend Alyssa on the show, who's a burlesque dancer from Australia to talk about burlesque and sex positivity. So that episode's coming out the 27th of September. Congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. I'm super, yeah, I'm super excited for it. Um, it feels so surreal that it's kind of culminated to this. I'm still, still hasn't quite hit yet, but yeah. You have a, just like hearing all the different things that you're juggling right now. I wouldn't even want to know what your schedule looks like because you just have two podcasts you know, full-time student. 
obviously doing all these radio show oh so like we've just yeah (laughs) we didn't even talk about that (laughs) we didn't even talk about that oh man so what is started it but what does your schedule look like from day to day then if you don't mind i mean no i not no of course i don't mind um definitely varies from day to day um, it depends. I mean, I'm also, I'm a part-time student, but I'm also, I'm only taking two classes. I'm just wrapping up my final semester. Um, honestly though, I'd say a lot of my day consists of like doing, doing producing work, like a lot of reaching out to people, um, a lot of writing emails, a lot of filling out forms, um, drafting questions, um, for podcast, writing down podcast episode ideas. I think a lot of it's more like proactive work. Um, yeah, I, I don't even know where to begin, to be honest with you, Avi, like, I don't just even a busy know, woman. I don't even know what the average day is like for me. It really varies. Like some, I have some weeks where I'm totally swamped right. and then other weeks that are a little bit more quiet. Um, but you know, I guess if it makes you feel any better, like the reason why I take on as much as I do, it's really just all for my mental health. If I'm being honest, mm. um, I don't know if it's the best way to cope with things, but I find that when I always have something planned and I have something to look forward to and I have projects I can pour my energy into, I feel like my life, like living just feels more meaningful for me personally. Interesting. Um, and when I don't have, I find that when the dust settles and I don't have anything going on, I got really depressed mm. um, and I wallow. And so I think part of it's like a coping mechanism for me. I don't know if it's the healthiest way to cope because I have instances where I am overwhelmed and it is too much, but ah, yeah, I don't know. I guess that's just how I deal with my issues is just through pouring my, my energy into things that I enjoy. I mean, that's the best way to do it. If you don't, you know, that's the best way that's in my true. opinion, I think so. But I would, I would, you know, also pitch the idea. I think it's important to just take that some time, you know, to let the, when the dust settles, just let it, you know, I guess maybe sometimes like you elaborate how it hasn't hit you yet, maybe because of the, you know, the things that you are juggling and the amount of things that you are juggling. Maybe it's just when you sit down, you're like, oh, wow. You know, (laughs) all of this. Um, But as a, I guess, toxic productivity person myself, I think that, uh, when you, when you sit down and you just, whether it's looking at a ceiling or looking outside of your window, you're able to just kind of be present and just sit there. Wow. Like there's so many things that I've done and just hearing this, you know, I, like I said, I couldn't even imagine what the schedule looks like, all these things that you're juggling and to, I guess maybe, you know, help or give some advice just in, just in case, if you wanted it in terms of, you know, being able to no, be, I could take, I mean, I could take all the advice I can get. So <laughs> like, what would your, so your advice to stay present would be just to like, what would your advice be? Um, I think that when you're constantly working and I, I can, when you said that juggling don't so many things at once, I can relate on countless levels, um, you know, whether it's an idea or podcast prepping or this or that, Yeah, I would say to just wherever your mind goes, mm-hmm. just let it wander. And just, if you have overflowing thoughts coming in, just allow just yourself to observe those thoughts. Why am I thinking this? Or, you know, thinking about who you were a year ago and what you now have, you know? Um, That's true. I didn't even have CUNY on cut a year ago. So exactly. I was like just planning the launch of it, but. 
Yeah, it's true. And I think also too with the uh, with the whole pandemic, it gave people a lot of time to just sit and just really be present. And some people they really enjoyed that, and some people you know kind of hated it. Like, damn, I have nothing to do, or I have nothing to look forward to because I'm waking up, you know, doing the doing the same thing every day. Yeah. And I think that's really where people had, you know, maybe like a, a mental health disconnect. For sure. Um, yeah, it's funny because for me, I thought of like during that time when we were in lockdown, I felt like that was like my, I saw it as my cocoon phase. You know, I went into it a, cal- a caterpillar. I wanted to become a butterfly and blossom out of it coming out of lockdown. So I think for me, it's interesting because I crafted, and I kind of talk about this with um, Alyssa um, on the sex positivity episode that we're about to put out, but she talked about the idea of like constructing a fantasy self. Mm. And I thought that was really interesting because that's something that I kind of unknowingly did. Um, Yeah, when I was in lockdown, I was like, what I constructed my fantasy self to be someone that you know, a risk taker, someone that's a bit more creative. And I think that's kind of when all these ideas, that's kind of when podcasting started to really take off Mm -hmm. when I was still doing T for three. That's when I had the Eureka moment about the film major stuff. So I think that's when everything kind of coalesced and came into fruition um, through that instance. But what if that wasn't the fantasy self? What is that? What if that was the genuine Hannah and it needed Mm -hmm. something like that to... Oh my God. That's so deep. I mean, (laughs) that would be, I mean, maybe, I guess probably because I am, because I had this idea of a fantasy self and I feel like I've kind of fulfilled whatever I envisioned at that time. I feel like I've fulfilled that up until this point. So maybe you're right. Maybe I had it in me all along and I didn't know it and I tapped into it and it happened. So who's to say, but that's interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Now that, now that I think about it, just because you kind of just went for it. You know what I mean? You just, and I read, there was a little, you know, bio that I read in on, on your LinkedIn that, you know, you talked about how you didn't really have courage or confidence within the beginnings of freshman year. And yeah, now I see somebody who is extremely confident, who knows them about Thank themselves, you. <laughs> you know, I mean, because just all the things that you're doing and all the things that you're going after mm-hmm. just can kind of give somebody a background, you know, she's sure of herself, she's sure of herself and she's sure of what she's doing. So I think that obviously I didn't know you since freshman year, but as the end product, I can see exactly what you went through throughout those years in order to get where you're at now. Thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, yeah, it, it, it took a lot. It's funny because people think that once you've gained confidence, that's it, but you also have to maintain it as well. But I think a big part of it is just trusting yourself as cliche as that sounds, you know, <laughs> but I think just, it's not just, it's trusting that you're going to be okay, no matter what happens. Right. You know, if you take a risk and you fall flat on your face, like you, you're going to be okay, no matter what, it's going to suck. It's going to sting, but you're going to be fine. And I think as long as you have that self-trust um, and you take risks, kind of having that in the back of your head um, and you, and you fall on your face enough times, you take risks and they work out and you're like, Oh, and I'm fine. And it's, so it, things are okay. Um, I think that's kind of where the confidence comes in and building that up because um, for me, I don't know, I guess there's different levels to confidence. There's confidence in the physical sense of thinking, okay, I'm happy with how I look, but I think a lot of it, a lot of my self-esteem issues came from my skill sets. Like, do I actually 
am I actually competent enough in this thing to make it happen? And I think that's what held me back is that I wasn't, I wouldn't think that I were competent, but now I'm like, oh, well, I guess even if I'm not, it's still worth the shot anyway. Even if it is a reach, why not just go for it? Who knows? I agree. I agree. I think, um, I wanted to be able to ask you, when was your first, I guess, taste of loss or, or failure that Mm. led you to this belief of, you know, I fell, I got cut and, but I'm getting back up and getting right back up. Oof. That's so tough. Ah, um, (laughs) huh. I would say actually you're talking about from a career standpoint, right? I, I would say career, like the first breakthrough that you had. I mean, honestly, I guess maybe early on in high school, I actually, um, I didn't bring this up before, but I used to be a, a model when I was a kid mm. and I was signed to an agent and I would book a lot of jobs, like when I was around 11 or 12. And then when high school came around, um, you know, I puberty hit and it was one of those things where the work started to dry up, but it was out of my control. Um, it was because, you know, if I, I, at that point I was too developed, too curvy for kid modeling, but I was too short. Cause I'm only five, one, I was too short for adult modeling commercially. So that's when the work really started to dry up. And, you know, I took it, I took it really hard. I picked myself apart. Um, I spent all this time wishing I was not as busty as I am wishing that I was taller, like a wafy runway model, essentially. Um, I think, I don't know. It took me a while to get over that. But then when I realized that I had other things that I could contribute outside of just the exterior, outside of just the physical, I think my life became a lot more meaningful. But I think that was probably my first taste of loss. And I think what made it all the more soul sucking at that age when I was 14 is that that was totally out of my control. I can't change that stuff, obviously. Right. That's yeah, that's um, I would say a lot of a lot of people struggle with that controlling what they can control and being able to release what they can't control. And I think that that takes up a lot of people's brain space and mind space just to be able to, you know, kind of release and just let it all out. You know, if you're not able to control the outcome or the situation, then for sure, there's no really point in kind of having or spending time and energy on that thought. And that's where the self-trust comes in, right? It's like, okay, this really sucks. Like, that the work is drying up, that I'm not going on auditions as much, but I just have to trust that I'm going to be okay. And that things will happen, unfold the way that they do. I'll be okay, no matter what. So I think that's kind of where that came in as well. But yeah, no, that was, that was super, super hard. But I mean, did you face, I mean, maybe not necessarily with things that you, whether you can control them or not, like, are there any instances that you face where you really fell flat on your face and like questioned why am I even doing this in the first place? Um, that, that probably has happened more often than not and more often than people may see. Um, mm-hmm. because sometimes, you know, people only see one side or they don't see the whole thing. And I would say that I try to portray to others that, you know, obviously you see one side of me, but I'm only human, you know, I'm, right. I'm, I'm a person that has feelings. I'm a person that has emotions. And I guess I just have this, I don't know. Some people would call it like unreal optimism that Mm. I know it's going to work out regardless of my situation is not ideal right now. Yeah. At some, at some point, everything's going to come together. And that's how I would, that's how I would usually go about it. I don't know where that stems from. I don't know where that comes from. 
but that's what has happened to me. No, that's great. Um, that reminds me as well, because um, when you're talking about that people see one side of you, um, that's something, and I'm, I'm talking to you about this as like a fellow podcaster now, right? <laughs> um, one thing I noticed is that I feel like people sometimes just see me for my persona, right? Mm. Because obviously, you know, with you on your show, I'm sure you have, it's, you're still being yourself, right? But you know, there's a certain level of performance to it, a certain level of masking, right? right. Um, I guess like, how, how do you come to terms with that? Like people seeing you as like Avi, the podcaster or Avi, like this kind of person rather than seeing the multifaceted version of yourself. Um, I would say that a lot of people and I've come across people like this um, that, you know, they would see my uh, the platforms that I have for myself and they would say, you know, I didn't know you were like this outgoing or this like funny or they only see that one side of myself hmm. and I would. I guess, I don't know. I guess I'm, a, I'm serious a lot, but in terms of like having fun and letting loose a lot, not a lot of people see that or, you know, me cracking a joke or me just showing my personality. And that's something that I'm trying to come into myself and show my personality more. Is but, it, is it out of fear of judgment? Like, are you afraid that people it, like, where do you think that comes from? Ah, uh, that's a good, I don't know. Sorry. I don't mean to turn the joke. No. <laughs> I'm like asking you questions now. <laughs> no, there's, um, I, I don't know. Honestly, I think that might stem from, I guess I've created this, this image for myself. And I think that I want to just be genuine in everything that I do. I want to be authentic and I want to be able okay. to fabricate that. This is who Avi is. You know, I have personality. I have this, I have that. Um, and I do want to express that more. And personally, I don't know where to start, but I know that, you know, people, you know, catch up, they'll see me and, oh, like I just saw a video or I listened to this and it's weird because they don't see that side. So I think that in terms of that, I guess just being able to fabricate more of that authentic and genuine self, as you once, you know, elaborated in that episode, just being that person that you ide ideally want to be. For sure. Um, I guess also, I guess there's also intersectionality that comes to play, right? Mm -hmm. In regards to gender, race, class, all those things. And that right. can kind of dictate people's level of comfort with like being there true authentic selves. You know what I mean? So I want to ask, I want to kind of throw that question back at you. How would you describe, you know, people that have may seen you listen to something or, you know, know the great things that you're doing? How has it been to try to show all those sides of yourself? Um, I think I'm definitely getting better at it. I think one, well, part of it, um, part of what I realized is that, you know, I think a lot of times I come up I come across as like this person that's always happy and peppy all the time, which yeah. I mean, that's part of who I am. Right. But that's not like the full, that's not like, that's not me in my entirety. You know, I have moments where I get depressed. I have moments where I get frustrated or upset about something. Um, but I want, I think one thing I realize is that although like there is a part of me that's still happy and peppy and whatnot. Um, I think a lot of that does come from people pleasing sometimes. Mm. Um, and worrying that if I unload or if I share how I actually feel like the negative emotions that 
it would be too much for people. I don't want to mm. burden people with my problems. I don't want to. So that's something that I kind of realized. And so since I came to that realization, I've definitely been a lot better about that. And I feel like it shows, you know? Um, yeah, because I think it's totally unre unrealistic in this day and age to kind of come, at, you know, at, at, it gets exhausting after a while to put yourself, to put myself out there as like this peppy, happy person all the time, 24 seven. Right. Um, but I think once I realized the people pleasing thing, that was like a game changer for me. Yeah. Cause you don't want to, at least from, I, I relate to you on that aspect in terms of, you know, you don't want to come off as a burden. You want to, you don't want to come off as, you know, I guess when you help a lot of other people, Sometimes you want yourself to be helped, you know, in terms of different things and you don't really know where to go or, you know, you're looked to as this person to help others. And then how do you look if you need to be helped, you know, and that's just yeah. the kind of dynamic um, because I could just tell that, you know, obviously through the podcasting and through everything that you're doing, you're helping a lot of people. And sometimes the helper needs oh, to be Thank helped. you. I mean, honestly, I, I really hope so. That's kind of one thing that I... I don't worry about it. I, I guess that's, it's kind of in the back of my mind. Like, you know, I want people to kind of um, be inspired and be informed by the content that I put out there. I don't want it to just kind of be put into the RSS ether. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, so that, that, thank you so much. Like, I really no appreciate you saying no that. Problem. No problem. I wanted to ask you, where can the people find you? Oh yeah. Okay. So you could check out T for three and CUNY Uncut on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Um, and with my radio show, Sonic Boom, you could check it out on Newtown Radio every other Thursday from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. But if you're sleeping, which you most likely will be, you can also check it out on Mixcloud. I know this is a lot to remember, so if you want to kind of keep tabs on everything that I'm working on, as well as the upcoming film podcast, be sure to follow me on Instagram at H underscore underscore Cav. That's K-A-V. And I want to thank yeah. you for taking time out your busy schedule to come on here and share a little bit of your story. I really enjoyed this episode. I think that we had extreme. I kind of planned this episode to go one way and then, you know, <laughs> completely went this way and that way. So I appreciate the conversation that we had. And we definitely will probably have to, you know, do a part two in the future, maybe oh, you know, for a sure. year from yeah. now or a couple months from now in a different no, space. Absolutely. And like, I'd love to have you uh, either on CUNY Uncut or Reel It In. I'd love to collaborate. But thank you for having me on the show. This was so much fun. Thank you. Um, for I had such on. an awesome time. Well, everybody, this is the 1% Podcast. Thank you guys for coming on. Thank you guys for all the love and appreciation that you guys shown. This is the 1% Podcast. I'm out. Thank you guys. Bye, everybody.